Good to see everybody here and online. My name is Brad, one of the pastors at Crossview, and it is good to be together. Um, is anybody else cold? I mean, I was about to ask Sandy for her jacket, but <laughs> guessing that's not going to fit me. Um, little freezing, so I'll try and keep us warm, snuggle up with the person next to you. Uh, right after the sermon, uh, I have to leave quickly. I'm not running to a tea time. I'm not mad at anybody. There's an event going on at Howard Drive that I need to get over to, so uh, it is really... Every time I'm over here, it just feels holy, and it's good to be together. So I don't know about you, but has anybody else just been hating this series that we're in? I mean, every week I feel like we're in a conversation that uh, somebody else should be up here talking about, uh, but it's been good. And it's based out of every year we do a survey around the fruit of the Spirit. Again, we always say fruit because it's singular. It's not a smorgasbord where you get to pick and choose the ones that you want. God, through the Spirit, is making these things true in us. And it's all around the idea of freedom. If you go to Galatians 5, this is where we kicked week one off. It talks about Christian freedom. When we come into a relationship with Christ, when we choose to follow Jesus, we now have this thing called Christian freedom. In America, when we hear the word freedom, we think it's us getting to do what we want. Christian freedom is the exact opposite, and it produces things like joy. But what Christian freedom says is, I submit to the presence of God in my life and what God wants to do. I submit to you and community and what it looks like for us to do life together. And as I do those things, God begins to do this good work in me. And that's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. And every year, the two top ones that all of us are struggling in are self-control. And what's the second one? Patience. Every year. And so we're like, let's, let's talk about those more often, what it means to be a follower of Christ in these. And so... Ephesians 5.25, I think, gets at the heart of it. It says this, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. And so what we're doing each week, we're taking sort of, I mean, every week could be a series. And so it's a complex conversation. We're not trying to solve everything. What we're simply trying to do is normalize these conversations and normalize hope and struggle. Right? That the majority of life is both hope Something good could happen, is happening, but it's also struggle. The struggle to be sort of fully alive in Christ. And so this one, I feel like every week as I study, like, man, why, why this one? This one is emotions. Emotions. And I would say probably the majority of us, all of us I would say, are out of control somewhere in our, our emotional world. And I was thinking this week, and I invite you to sort of think about how you think about emotions. What influences the way that you process how you emote, how, how you sort of give your emotions away. And as I thought about that, there's a few things that really influence how I either do give away emotions in a healthy way or not give away, away emotions in a healthy way. One was, for five years, when I was in fifth grade, we moved from Longmont, Colorado to Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. So from looking at mountains to cornfields everywhere. Uh, I think it was torture for something I must have done wrong. And in those five years, we went to this church, this Calvary, uh, Calvary Baptist Church, and it was a big church, and we had 20 acres of softball fields and sport fields. And so in the summers, we would do father-son softball league. And I remember vividly, one of the teams had one of the elders on, from the church was on the team. His name was Mr. Mitchell. And Mr. Mitchell was out of control at games, yelling at people, yelling at the ump. And I remember as a kid thinking like, Something's wrong here, that a leader in the church is sort of expressing emotions that way. At, shouldn't be anywhere, but at a church event, right? And then, I also grew up in a house where, not said, but sort of unsaid was, 
don't overexpress your emotions because if you give away too much intense emotions, that's more sinful. Holding it in is what God wants, right? Amen? Every, most every man in this room just smiled. And we do. We spiritualize that I am more spiritual because I hold it in, and this person get, you know, yells and screams. And we know that's not true. At the end of the day, we understand that's not true. And it comes from seeing different people in our lives give away the emotions. I also thought about, think about American emotions. So nine, no, not nine, 2006, we moved here from Philadelphia. And if you've ever been in Philadelphia for any amount of time, they give away loud emotions. In fact, my wife and I went to a Philadelphia Eagles football game one time. And if you don't know, the Eagles have a jail underneath the stadium because they get so many people arrested for fighting. Instead of taking them to the jail, let's just have the jail here. And I remember, this is the honest truth, I remember my wife and I sitting there at this game, they were playing the Giants, and there were three brawls within, like, from us to the wall. One was a giant, a guy in a Giants jersey was walking up the stairs, and an Eagles fan just cold-cocked him. And suddenly a fight ensues, and it's, it's, it's filled out. And then I moved to Minnesota, <laughs> right? And it's Minnesota what? Don't, don't. Don't get too intense on the emotions and we'll all be okay. But that's the emotional world we live in. But even in Minnesota Nice, go to a sporting event of your kids and what happens? Minnesota Nice stays in the car. <laughs> we all have a journey of how we express our emotions. So what does being honest with my emotions and expressing my emotions properly really mean? And then how do I do it? Our staff went through a book called Emotionally Healthy Leaders. And there's a book called Emotionally Healthy Churches, uh, but it's by this guy, Pete Scazzarzo. It's a pastor out in, in uh, New York City, and he says this about emotional health. He says, emotional health is about how we think and feel. It's about our sense of well-being, our ability to cope with life events and how we acknowledge our emotions as well as those of others. It doesn't mean being happy all the time. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. And we, again, this could be a whole series because we could talk about how I receive emotions from you. But I want to focus mainly this morning on my emotions, your emotions, and how we are giving those emotions away. So let me pray before we jump into Psalm 13. God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak. And God, that um, not a sense of shame and guilt, but a sense of hope. And how you've wired us, how you've made us, how our sort of backstory influences how we give emotions away. And as we look at Psalms and as we look at Jesus, I pray that the good news that is your son, Jesus Christ, would give us hope. And that we would go out to be a light in the world around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Psalm 13, it's a psalm of David. And often in the Psalms, Psalms sort of this book in the middle, a number of different authors wrote Psalms. David wrote a bunch of them. Um, but the Psalms are poems. So we don't interpret them the same way that we interpret the Gospels. We don't interpret them the same way that maybe we interpret some of Paul's letters. They're poetry. They're sort of emoting in words that I'm giving away emotions in words. And so we don't know for sure the background of Psalm 13. We know that something went on in David's life where he's expressing emotions to God and he's writing this letter to basically the worship leader at the temple, someone who had a meaningful role in his life. When David would go to temple, there would be a person that would guide the community in worship. And David is writing a letter to this guy. So it says this. And what, what I want you to do is think about all the different emotions that David is giving away here. 
okay? As we read each verse, think about the different emotions. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Let's stop. Frustration, accusation, abandonment, possibly some sort of passive-aggressive thing. We don't really, it's words and it's poems, so we don't know the sort of the, how the voice would have been expressing it, but it could be sort of this passive expressive of talking to God. Verse two, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Again, pain, grief, this feeling helpless. We've all been there. Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes so I will sleep in death. He's desperate. There's this sense of desperation of something has gone on and God didn't do what David wanted God to do. And so he feels desperate. Verse 4, and my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. It's almost this sense, this emotion of feeling he's being bullied by somebody. Like somebody's pushing him around and they have more... What's interesting, they have, he's the king of Israel, and this person, this group of people, has more power in his life than he does. And then it says in verses 5 and 6, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing the Lord's praises, for he has been good to me. There's something beautiful about the Psalms. There's this honest interaction, giving away of emotions, often towards God, but towards other. And this psalm reads the way of many psalms. The author will say, things aren't right. I feel down. I'm depressed. I don't understand who you are, God. There's this just true honesty of, of how they're processing what's going on. But then, almost every time, it gets to the end, and it says, but you're God. You're good, and, and even though I'm feeling this way, I'm going to trust in you. Even though life doesn't make sense, I'm going to choose to trust in you. Think about it. Emotions, which the psalmist was giving away, they alert us to something we need to pay attention to. So, I mean, emotions in and of themselves are not bad. This, they alert us that something needs to, to sort of awake us. When I was in high school, my brother went to the National Guard. And uh, he went and did basic training, and he let me that summer use his car. I hadn't bought a car yet. And back in the day, most kids had to buy their own cars. I tell my kids that all the time as we bought them each a car. Um, but he gave, I think it was an AMC, it was this just big gray old car. And no one had ever told me that when this light comes on in the car that looks like an oil can, that you're supposed to take your car in to get oil changed. And so he came back at the end of basic training of the summer, and I had almost destroyed his engine for driving it well beyond. But, but it, the idea is, like, there was a light saying something to me, and I just thought it was no big deal. We often do the same thing with our emotions, don't we? There's, they're trying to help us recognize that there's something going on, that we, we need to give ourselves permission to feel what we feel without judging ourselves. We need to stop lecturing our hearts we need to stop with sort of the, the, this intense self-criticism. We need to stop discounting our struggles and stuffing our pain. And that's what that one is like right at me. Like what, so many of us do that. Or we're passive aggressive in how we give it away. And it begins to hurt relationships. And so it, what does it look like 
for followers of Jesus to, in a healthy kingdom gospel way, express our emotions. Uh, emotions. And I think it starts here. The goal of Christian formation. So if you're a follower of Jesus, our goal is that we become more and more and more like Jesus. Paul said, I am in birth pains until you are formed in the image of Christ. We should reflect to the world who Jesus is in the Bible. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so the question would be, how did Jesus emote? How did Jesus give his emotions away? And there's no, ways, there's no way that we completely look at every emotion. But I think it's what, last week at Howard Drive, I talked to them about the word Christian. And the word Christian in the first century was not a positive term. And it was not a religious term. In Rome, they were polytheistic. You could believe whatever you wanted to believe. That was no big deal. But what was a really big deal was who was your king? And the, why they used the word Christian is because these Romans were saying, Jesus is my king, Caesar is not my king. In other words, they were saying, I'm going to obey Jesus and believe in Jesus. But the obedience meant they were acting in a different way. They were living in a different way. And so we look at Jesus the same way. Jesus is our king. He is our, our, our supreme leader. And so what does it look like to express the emotions he did? And so I'm going to choose five of his emotions and say, how do you express them? I'm not, we're not going to solve all the emotional things, but if you begin to ask how, that's the win. That's the win today. So Jesus showed compassion. Showed compassion. Several times we see in the Gospels that he was moved to compassion. That word compassion is like there, there's this deep feeling inside of you that something's not right. That you see something in, in somebody else and there's this, this sense inside of you that something is not right. You see, you feel their pain. When was the last time we felt that? Those are the questions I sat with. It's like, when was the last time I really felt somebody else's pain? And think about Jesus. In Mark 1, he felt that for a leper. In Luke 7, he feels it for a widow at the funeral of her son. In Matthew 20, it says that he felt that way about these two blind men. In the feeding of the 5,000, it says he felt compassion on the crowd because they were hungry. Not for anything huge, but just at the end of the day, they were hungry. It's like when you drive by the homeless person, like, what would it look like for God to well up in me the sense of compassion and give him a McDonald's gift card? Jesus had compassion, and the beautiful part of every one of these stories, he didn't just feel it. He acted. And I think that's the beauty of how. So how, how can we be people of compassion? When God wells up compassion and you do something about it, send the check, sponsor the child, whatever it might be. Second thing is, Jesus expressed, expressed the emotion of anger. Jesus expressed the emotion of anger, not when he was on the road and the car in the left lane was driving slow and should have been in the right lane. He expressed anger in maybe some actually healthy ways. He expressed, and it's, it's, it's interesting in some of the stories that the anger often comes from compassion. There's a story in Matt. In Mark 3, where Jesus is about ready to heal this man, and it's, it's on the Sabbath. And in the Gospels, that's one of the big things, that Jesus is doing things on the Sabbath that their laws, that they had added to the law of God, said you couldn't do. And one of them, one of them was do things like heal. They, would, they thought it was working. And Jesus is about ready to heal. He looks at the religious leaders, and it says that he, this anger rose up in him because he knew what they were thinking. And then what does he do after that? He heals the man. He acts on it. He does something. 
We've talked about it before, but one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is Mark 11, where Jesus overturns the tables. In the temple, you would have gone into this sort of open court part. And in the open court part were tables where people were selling sacrifices so that you could take those sacrifices into the temple and worship God. And the people selling the sacrifices were pricing them to the point where those who didn't have much couldn't afford them and thus were left out of the religious system of the day. Jesus comes in and he's like, that's not right. So he gets angry. And he actually, oh, it's one of the scenes in the Bible that sort of gives me chills. I, would, I wanted to see it. Like what would it look like? Jesus goes in, turns the tables. I bet he's yelling, right? He, said, he says this, my house, which is such an interesting thing that he's saying, this is my house. This is God's house. I am God. Is not a den of thieves, but a house of prayer. And you can feel in that story, you can feel the emotion of what Jesus is saying there. If you never get angry about injustice, something might be wrong in your emotional world. Right? If we never get angry about injustice, and some, sometimes in America it's easy to not get angry because I'm so comfortable. Comfort gets in the way of anger all the time. Third one, Jesus grieved. We looked at this story a couple weeks ago where Jesus wept when Lazarus died. And if you look at that story, there's a couple of different times where it says he's, he's deeply moved. I'm guessing Jesus knew that he was going to heal. But even in the story, as, re, as he's relating to Lazarus and Lazarus' two sisters, there's this sense that he was in the moment grieving with them. To the point in verse 35 where it says, if you've ever done Bible memory, Jesus wept. Jesus actually cried with them. And I think there's something, as a classic guy who tries to hold in my emotions, really, I mean, expressing things like grieving and crying aren't places I like to go. But I know they're good, though. I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if this is sadistic. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time is Boy Meets World. Amen. Uh, and there is the closing, if you ever watch the series Boy Meets World, there's the ending series where Corey and Topanga and Sean are in the classroom with Mr. Feeney and there's this last goodbye. And in the last goodbye every time, a tear will actually go down my face. And as I'm doing that, there's something in me that is healing. That's like good. That that emotion is good to be expressed. And then there's the deeper grief. And maybe some of you are in the deeper grief right now. You lost somebody, you lost a relationship. And what you need to notice, the how, is to notice the grief and begin to say, God, what do you want me to do with it? And if you've experienced death, invite people to walk with you in your grief, to be with you in those moments. Number four, Jesus showed joy, which is a really good thing for us as Christians to notice. Because sometimes Christians, we get too serious, right? I mean, my wife on occasion will just remind me that my normal sitting posture and the sort of what I'm communicating with my face is not happy. I mean, it's just a little bit on the angry side. My daughters have a name for it that I won't say in church. Luke 10, we have this line in verse 21 where it says, Jesus was full of joy. And the story is he had sent his followers, the 72 at that point, out on a short-term mission trip. And they came back, and he was full of joy. We're sending my daughter Trinity to Oxford, England for two weeks here. In a, just in a couple weeks, she's gotten to a science camp there. And I'm already imagining when she comes back after two weeks of going over there by herself, she's 
almost 17, the amount of joy that we're going to have is going to be a lot. Because we're going to miss her birthday. We're just going to miss being with her. Jesus showed joy. He often used humor in his teaching. What about the stories we told last week? The dude with the log in his eye trying to get the speck out of the other person's eye. When, when Jesus preached that, it would have been a funny moment. They would have laughed at it like, that's stupid, but we do it, right? Jesus showed joy. In John 17, which is his final prayer that he's praying, and his disciples must have been there, one of the things he says is that they, he prays that they may be full of joy when he leaves. Full of joy. What if more, more Christians emoted more joy? We leaned into joy. And here's, here's, here's why I think we can do it. Because of what Jesus taught. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, God loves this world. God has a plan for this world. This world is not going to hell in a handbag. God is redeeming and reconciling. God is going to come back to this world and sit on a throne and be the world's true king. And so we live joyfully towards that reality. Last one, Jesus showed love. And I get it, love is a choice, right? Love's an emotion too. It's a both end. It's, it's something that we choose to do. It's something that we, 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 we sort of feel in us. Think about it. Jesus chose ultimate love, Calvary. He went to a cross for us. He gave away his life for us. He showed, away, he showed the emotion of love often, his deep affection for Lazarus, his love for his disciples. In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples to love one another as he loved them. To give away this emotion and this choice is such an important thing. In Romans 12, Paul tells the church to love one another with mutual affection. With mutual affection. So if the point of Christian formation is to be more and more like Jesus, who showed us he was God, he was fully God, but he also showed us, if you want to know what it looks like to be fully human, just look at Jesus, guys. And girls, sorry for that. Look at Jesus. Get into the Gospels. This, sitting here once a week is really good, but you need more. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John live in the Gospels. Look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus gave his emotions away and say, how does God want me to give my emotions away? And if you feel like you're out of control in your emotional world, ask for help. Email Brian, Sandy, myself. Say, what, what do I do about this? It's out of control and I don't know what to do. Let me close with this. Because often we're very personal in how we apply our messages. As a church, how we reflect our emotions to the world together tells a lot of people about who God is. If, Christian, if people look at followers of Jesus at churches and they say, that is the angriest group I know, it's not the kingdom. That's not the gospel. We're supposed to give our emotions away in such a way that says to people, Jesus came to this earth and lived a beautiful life of love and joy. He loved those on the margins. He died for our sins. And so my emotions need to reflect that story. And when we do that, heaven comes to earth. Let's pray. And by the way, you can, those of you with kids can go grab your kids before communion here. Jesus, God, I pray that your spirits um, in community would help us to be in intentional about how we think about our emotions, how we give away emotions, how we invite people to speak into our lives around that. And so God, I pray um, that your spirit would lead, that it gives us the courage, but I also pray, Lord, that we would listen to you. 
And we would listen to the voices around us so that we could reflect more of your goodness and more of your grace and more of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.